How's it going? Uh, fine. You've got 700 pages of notes. I was going to ask about your trip to Minnesota, but are you, is that your way of saying you don't think we have time for that small talk? <laughs> no. I do have to say where I stayed in Minnesota, where the store was at, there was probably at least 70 good restaurants that were highly reviewed all around. Oh. Were you by Minneapolis? Uh, yeah, I was on the like north uh northwest corner oh cool so uh definitely need to go back if for nothing else just the food come for the food stay for the justin jefferson wide receiver uh master class how about <laughs> how about no two best of friends you think we're still gonna hang out after what you just did to me you are lying i want that on record that you're done who think they know football. I will not listen to any slander against the great name of Ezekiel Elliott. I think you're an idiot. Bring you unprecedented access to the NFL world. I look like I normally do. I'm a freaking moron. Let's be real, Fitzpatrick is a beautiful man. Because here, it's real football by real fans. We don't do smart here. It's a multi-dollar production, I'll say that. The 2M Football Show starts now. Hello, everybody. Hello, Matt, and welcome to the week one and a half um, update episode of the 2M Football Podcast. Yeah, you know, you would think after almost three seasons, I'd understand what the half point is, and yet I still got confused, but I get it now. Oh, yeah, okay. Because, <laughs> yes, because we are in between week one yep, and week yep. two. Very sophisticated. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah, trust me, I am following the bouncing ball. We have this on lock. <laughs> well, you know what really happened is I got, I felt like it was too um, wordy when the episode was titled Week One Recap Slash Week Two Preview. So I'm like, hey, how about week 1.5? Save some space. Your laziness occasionally pays off. <laughs> You know, I, uh, I've seen this quote around on the internet before. I don't know if it's a real quote, but it's attributed to Bill Gates. And it's it's something about preferring lazy workers because they'll find an easier way to do something. Yes, and I, I really it was uh, Bill Gates. And the quote is something I always give the most difficult task to the laziest person because they'll find the simplest way to complete it. That, that's basically how I live my life, except I take the easiest task and find the easiest way to do it. <laughs> Anyway, Matt, how good did it feel to watch real football games over the weekend outside of, you know, fantasy results? Uh, it, it's back. Football's back. The aggravation's back. The surprises are back and the injuries are back. Everything we love and hate about this sport is back and it is always an incredible feeling. Yeah, man, the amount of you know, emotional whiplash I feel like I went through this weekend is literally feels like I just got off a week long, weekend long roller coaster and finally my heart rate is calm again. No, it's not. It's, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get that back up. Oh, we <laughs> yes, we will. Um, but yeah, of course, week one has come and gone. Um, quite possibly my worst week of pigskin pick'em ever. I, I feel like I got every game wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even look. I felt okay because I picked some, I don't know. You nailed some of the upsets, uh, which we'll get into in a minute. And oh, look at that. Uh, yeah. I opened my fantasy app, and the first thing it says is your team lost. Thanks. <laughs> in case you hadn't been uh, maniacally checking the scores all weekend. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I... I wish it would just summarize what it did. Oh, eight, eight for seven. I picked eight correctly last week. Yeah, I think we were actually um, neck and neck on there. We both were about 50-50, which, you know, it's such a crapshoot early on in the NFL season. We think we know it's... Oh, week one is a joke. <laughs> I hate but, you know, in, in theory, you learn a little bit more each week and start to get a clearer picture of... Um, we say this every year. That's why it's just a theory. It's not true. <laughs> Every um, year we try to justify our stupidity. 
Well, and that's just uh, keep doing that. <laughs> so on today's show, we're going to, of course, recap week one. Uh, and I've got it organized with upsets first, then our playoff sleepers, and then just some of the other top results and storylines. Top results. And, I think that was the entire like week one lineup. Almost all good games. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, of course, we'll preview week two and then do a little fantasy corner if there's time permitting at the very end. There's always time for fantasy football. There's always the time. I pay attention to. I mean, that's the main reason we want. I wanted to start this podcast was to have a platform to where I could complain about my fantasy team. <laughs> Excellent. And now we, and that combined with the music you created, it's, uh, I mean, that's reason enough to just <laughs> for this podcast to exist right there, just for those two reasons. Um, but since we're here, let's talk about some other stuff too. <laughs> no particular order. The Packers lost to the Vikings. <laughs> I don't know if I consider this an upset. I know you picked the Vikings, which uh, kudos to you. This was one that you got exactly right. But I think technically it is an upset because, sorry, I'm stalling while I try to pull up the the Vegas line. Actually, no, you're right. It's not an upset. Minnesota was the favorite by one and a half points. And I so. think the whole reason that Vegas and I were in sync on this one is for the very reasons what you saw. Um, and what made me feel more confident about this pick was it was oh it was an it was a noon game because I was on lunch and they were talking about how I don't I, I was watching Cincinnati in Pittsburgh for a while and I thought Cincinnati rest their starters through most of the preseason and they were talking about all that rust and we'll get to the Cincinnati game but it made me feel even more confident that Green Bay was going to do exactly what they did last year, week one against the Saints, where they look like crap. And that was with Devontae Adams. Yes. You know, yeah. you can't rest your starters for three weeks and then play them all week one and think you're going to make things happen. Well, so, especially in this case, it's a bunch of guys that Rodgers has no rapport with, you know. Yeah. So this was just everything that could have went wrong, went wrong. Yeah. At least and everything that. Everything that we feared about this team, right? No Devontae Adams, a bunch of youngsters in the receiving core. You know, there was one school of thought that was like, well, he's Aaron Rodgers. He's going to find a way to make it work. And over the course of the season, that could still be. But uh, the, the biggest concern was like, he's never played with any of these guys. Half of them are rookies. The other half are old and washed up guys like uh, Cobb Random and Cobb. Sammy Watkins. Yeah. And that was exactly what uh, what came to be here. I should also note that both of their starting offensive tackles missed this game. And David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins. Uh, also, Alan Lazard, that one of the the only guy that Rodgers does have history with, missed the game. And uh, they on the Packers' opening drive on offense it might have been their first offensive play of the game. Their rookie, uh, that who they drafted high in the second round, Christian Watson. Burned his defender, was wide open, down, like running down the field along the sideline. Rodgers placed the ball perfectly into his hands, and he just straight up dropped it. And that uh, really set the tone, and Rodgers' face after that uh, set it all, really. Vikings looked really good. They were up 17-0 at halftime, <clears throat> largely thanks to the uh, Justin Jefferson, who had a monster game, close to 200 receiving yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. Packers did come out in the second half looking a little better. They went on their one and only touchdown drive in the third quarter. Aaron Jones ripped off some big runs. Uh, A.J. Dillon looked really good. And they played slightly better defense. But the biggest thing that I noticed was that even when they were moving the ball, it was only with small chunks. They couldn't get any big plays. They had no deep threat. And um, when you need points in a hurry, that's not going to help. No, but Rodgers didn't look like yeah. he had much pass protection either. No, no, he had no time. That's true. And I feel like Aaron Jones was underutilized. It's kind of weird, yeah. AJ Dillon seemed to get more of the work. And, um, but, yeah, this yeah. this team just imploded. But it's week one, right? You can't you can't judge an entire season off of week one. Everybody will, 
everybody does. Oh, that's, that's what we do. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, final score was 23 to seven. Rip. Vikings looked very good. Packers, all their issues were exposed as if we didn't already know what they were. <laughs> Elsewhere in the division, the Bears hosted the 49ers in a game that was... Uh, there was so much rain in Chicago all morning and during I the game. I was watching um, highlights from it later, and it was insane. Yeah, it was like a slip and slide out there. It was crazy. You could see puddles slashing up with every step guys took, and on every tackle, it was like a... Not to know, mention, Soldier tsunami. Field is like regarded as one of the worst playing surfaces ever. It's interesting, yeah. And I saw they just redid the field, like, you know, two weeks before the season started, they just put in all new grass and stuff. But I don't know what, I don't know if there's a field out there that could withstand the amount of rain we got here all day Sunday. And I really feel like that um, had a big impact on the game. For the 49ers, there was no George Kittle, as I noted, for Trey Lance, the 49ers, and also for Matt's fantasy team. <laughs> he was injured. And, uh, you know, coming into the game, weather aside, I didn't think the Bears would have much of a chance here. I think you actually picked them, didn't you? I'm double checking that. I am almost positive I picked them because I remember I you didn't... talking. Yeah, talking about them. Please hold your call. It's very important to us. And let me just double check that this. Yeah. So the 49ers came into this game six and a half point favorites on the road. Uh, uh, but correct. the concerns. I picked, I picked Chicago. Very impressive. Two for two so far on today's show. Oh, man. <laughs> but, yeah, what we talked about was that it was Trey Lance's first start as a, you know, first week one start. So didn't know what we were going to get there. And the Bears still have a solid defense, whatever, um, despite their lack of playmakers on offense. But, but even with the weather, it kind of started out how you thought the Bears got down 10 nothing. Their offense was doing absolutely nothing. I think. In the first half, Justin Fields had like 18 passing yards or something. So it was just like, you know, as bad as we thought it would be. Uh, but in the second half of this game, the Bears made a really impressive comeback that was, you know, the defense held at that point. 49ers didn't score in the second half. They made life miserable, even more miserable than the weather had already made it for uh, Trey Lance. You know, sacking him twice, picked him off, forced a fumble. And then on offense, they found a way to generate some big plays, some kind of broken plays. But that's what Justin Fields can do with his mobility. Either the one in particular where he escaped pressure. Go ahead. Fields brings this mobility that I think the Bears offense has been lacking for quite a long time. And, you know, even the last decent quarterback that they had with. uh, Oh, my God. Why am I blanking? Trubisky. No. <laughs> Jay Cutler? Yes. Okay. Even though Cutler had the ability to kind of roll out, he was never the big mobile quarterback. They actually have a mobile quarterback behind a really iffy offensive line, which is what you need. And I think that they proved their mettle in this case. You know, they came in as as underdogs and decided, no, we are going to we're gonna punch them in the mouth. Um everybody had a terrible day in that weather. Yeah. But um, I think the Bears decided to say, you know what, if we can play in this weather, we should be able to play anything. And I think it's a statement to come out with a new head coach, uh, a, a receiving core that has little to nothing in it. And right. make it make make a statement. They can uh, definitely take a lot of positives away from this. And uh, yeah, it's an impressive win, no matter how you how you look at it. 19 to 10 was the final Bears get the shocking win to start off the Matt Eberflus era. Uh, Let's move on to the Monday night game. Um, A game that I watched almost in its entirety last night because I needed I needed certain things to happen for fantasy purposes. I stopped watching after all the aggravation. Well, it was super ugly. So Brock was at Seahawks last night, Monday night for recording this on Tuesday. Um, Russell Wilson's, uh, you know, of all the revenge games of week one, this was the biggest one. 
I needed some stuff to happen for fantasy, so I was paying very close attention. But it was a, I'll tell you, it was a tough watch. <laughs> this game was ugly. In the first half, also, first of all, Russell, it was, we were wondering what kind of reception Wilson would get from his former hometown fans. Um, and they booed him heavily as he came out onto the field. Understandable, I think, given how it was made known that he wanted to leave and then he was, you know, the driving force behind being traded. But then on the flip side, where no one really thought Geno Smith was going to be very good, but he came out <laughs> looking really good. Uh, Seattle had an amazing great game plan and at least the first 15 or so plays that they had scripted worked beautifully. Geno Smith completed his first 12 passes in a, you know, without an incompletion had some really nice play action looks and finished the first half 17 of 18, uh, 164 yards and two touchdowns. And keep in mind, Gino hasn't started week one since 2014. Right. And was, was that with the Jets? Yes. Who originally drafted him. Yeah. So yeah, I think this game was all about not only capitalizing on opportunity, but making a statement. We all kind of were like, I mean, Gino reminds me a little bit of Terod Taylor, right? Like definitely the one that can plug the gap when you're when your offense needs somebody who's a veteran who's been a while, who's been in a few systems. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just like last year, he served that role. When Russell went down, and here mm-hmm. he is making the statement of like, I can still start, I can still play. And uh took it to the Broncos that was supposed to have one of the best defenses. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, it's true. I think the Broncos' defense played okay for the most part, although it's natural to make the comparison in this game. I feel like Geno Smith was doing his best Russell Wilson impression (laughs) on the first touchdown pass. He made a really great move to escape the pocket, get away from a pass rusher, and find a wide-open tight end uh, who ran at 40 yards for the touchdown. Maybe the Magic's in the uniform. They were in the neon greens. I love that look. Nobody else seems to, but I'm a big fan. Oh, I'm a huge fan. Okay, good. So we do agree on that. Um, at halftime, it was 17 to 13. Seahawks were up. The Broncos had scored on a, a long touchdown to Jerry Judy. But the Broncos' offense really struggled throughout the game. Yeah, I think that's these an understatement. Both, I think this. These were both in the second half. They fumbled twice on the goal line of Seattle. Uh, once by each of their running, starting running backs, Melvin Gordon I mean, lost one. I mean, at least it was then, everybody sucked, right? Like, that's a yeah, yeah. That's the thing. If it was the same guy fumbling twice, it's like okay, he's benched or whatever. But no, they they each fumbled on the verge of scoring touchdowns, and that contributed to them score coming away with no touchdowns from four trips to the red zone. The one touchdown they did score was the long pass to Judy, Jerry Judy, I mentioned. As a team, the Broncos had 12 penalties for 106 yards. Two of those were delay of game penalties on the same drive, which just that just drives me crazy seeing that. (laughs) Especially because Russell has played in this stadium. Right. He knows where the clocks are counting the play clock. Like that to me is just unacceptable by by a veteran quarterback in a stadium that was his home stadium. Yeah, and speaking of which, I I kind of feel like the the occasion got to him a little bit because he looked panicked, like he looked nervous in the pocket, making I was bad say decisions. Comfortable, which is very mm-hmm. strange because he's used to not having a pocket. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, and that's the other thing. When he did try to run, he man, he looked so slow. Like, I don't know what was going. I don't know what happened. He looked so slow at the times he did try to run. Um, he was so Javante Williams, the running back, led the team in targets. He targeted him 12 times. He didn't even throw to a wide receiver until uh, halfway through the second quarter. Uh, there was one occasion where he badly overthrew Cortland Sutton in the end zone for what should have been an easy interception just before halftime. Yep, and that guy, I mean, it didn't get any easier than that. That was right in that guy's chest. Yeah, there were a couple times that he could have been picked easily. I think Jamal Adams missed one. Um, But still, you know, despite all that, they did did hold the Seahawks to 17 points, uh, chipped in a field goal of their own to to make it a one-point deficit. And this 
brings us to probably the most controversial coaching moment of the week. So they were down by one point. Denver were driving to midfield, and it was fourth and five from the Seattle 46-yard line. And, I mean, the problems you could say started even before they got to this point because they, they had the ball, they were moving it, but they had not yet used the timeout. And they still didn't hear until they let the clock run all the way down to 20 seconds before uh, before using their first timeout. And then New Broncos head coach Nathaniel Hackett opts for the 64-yard field goal uh, instead of attempting to go for it on that fourth and five. And they do have a great kicker. I'll give them that. Brandon McManus is really good. But it was a lot to ask of him. This would have been, I think, the second longest. Or would this have been the longest kick? I forget what the new record Tucker said last year. It was somewhere up in the 60s. I want to say this would have 64 yards. I want to say it would have been the second longest in NFL history. Uh, Of course, he ends up missing it. But not that much from what I saw. uh, No, I think it was just wide. I think he had the distance even. But still, I mean. Even before that point, clock usage seemed bad. Jerry Judy had the nice play earlier, but the drops kicked back in where he dropped a, uh, what would have been a first down conversion on, on I think, the second or third down. Um, and then Denver lost the game 17 My question would be, is this a sign, you know, everyone's going to, this is one of those calls that a head coach is screwed. Damned if you do, damned if you don't, right? Because if he goes for it on fourth and fails the conversion, then they'll be like, why didn't you just try the field goal if you weren't going to get it anyway? <laughs> Putting aside the fact that the the clock management was terrible, right? Right. I mean, it's his first time as a head coach, yes. I believe. Mm-hmm. So there's a huge learning curve when you don't have to make these decisions. You know, you look to it, previously, it'd be Matt LaFleur, and he'd be like, okay, we're going for it. Call it up. Let's go. Now you have to make the decisions, but I don't think he trusts that his offense could make the conversion. Right. And I think that's the more concerning part. Like he did not have faith. So what do you do? Well, you do the only thing you can do at that point. You kick it and kind of pray for a miracle. Again, if this field goal had worked, Hackett would have looked like a genius. Like they would have been like, well, what would happen if you missed it? Would you have, you know, this, that, but. I mean, I kind of can't fault him for the call because of the way the Broncos' offense is playing. Yeah, it's true that in the context of this game, they had been bad all night, uh, which on it is its own concern, right? Wilson was uh, like afraid to target his receivers, seemingly, and, I, and he's got a know. great cast of receivers around him too, which doesn't make any sense. He's got plenty of room to spread the ball around. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's first, it's, yeah, like you said, Hackett's first time as a head coach. Russ, Russell Wilson is in a new system for the first time in his whole career, getting to know new players. And uh, you could just chalk it up to week one, lack of continuity. But overall, the, the Broncos looked really bad here. I was surprised how, how much they struggled to move the ball on offense. On the flip side, nice win for Seattle. Geno Smith looked competent and they they played really hard of course that was part of it too right the atmosphere the whole russell wilson narrative of it all definitely contributed probably on both sides uh so we've spent 30 minutes going through three games so we're gonna have to really speed up here this is your fault it is see this is Um, what happens when i actually contribute i appreciate it though okay steelers at Bengals. this was another one of the early games that uh, came down to a frantic finish. This game is just aggravation central. So weirdly, it was the Steelers leading most of this game on the road, in large part to Joe Burrow's five turnovers. Yeah, a, I'm aware of those. <laughs> yeah, that would equate to negative 10 fantasy points, I believe. Just in case any listeners had him on their fantasy team. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who does. I'm so sorry for them. It's not like Carson Wentz doubled that. <laughs> um, yeah, so five turnovers, one fumble lost, four picks, one of which Minka Fitzpatrick returned for a touchdown. Jerk. Uh, and then 
Burrow was also sacked seven times, which is not a great start for their uh, offensive line that, you know, they brought in so many new players in the offseason. You know how we get old and we wake up and we feel like we've been, like, put through a ringer? At least I can yeah. say I do not feel how Joe Burrow probably felt the day after. Uh, physically and emotionally. I saw a report from a beat reporter that he just he just sat at his locker staring for like an hour after the game. <laughs> By far the worst game of his career and uh, definitely expected to bounce back. But even after, despite all that, the Bengals had a good chance to win this at the end. They scored a last second touchdown to Jamar Chase, uh, tied it at 20 before the extra point. So all they had to do was make the extra point and they would have won the game. But <laughs> that extra point got blocked by Mika Fitzpatrick. Of course, right? And the game went to overtime. Um, Steelers ended up winning it in OT. Other fallout from this game was that TJ Watt um, tore his pack muscle, and uh, he's going to miss six weeks. Superstar pass rusher. That's going to be a big loss for Pittsburgh. And all their success. Yeah, he couldn't have gone out in the first quarter. No. Right. All their success in this game was thanks to the defense because they they did nothing on offense. They Mitch and the Mitch and company they really struggled to move the ball. They had barely 250 yards of total offense, and that's in basically five quarters of football action with the overtime period. I will say though, I was overly impressed with what I saw from Mitchell Trubisky. I mean, there was drops, there was a little bit of overthrow, but he still showed poise and potential that's there. Um, they obviously, again, it's week one, everything's coming at them much faster than the preseason. This is the starters you're playing. So I, I anticipate them to get a little bit bigger, a little bit better meshing, but, uh, yeah, I'm not calling the, I'm pulling the plug on Mitch just yet. Yeah, he, he was fine, but they didn't have a running game either. Yeah. Yeah, and the offensive line is an issue, and and Najee Harris got hurt too. So uh, we'll see, have to see if he's back for next week. Um, but the, you know, defense came to play as advertised, went on the road to Cincinnati, and made things very difficult for them. I know this game makes you super excited. A lot of contenders for biggest surprise of the week, uh, but this one makes me angry because of the Daniel Jones of it all. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, the Giants on the road beat the Titans 21 to 20. I mean, to be honest, Daniel Jones didn't do much. The biggest takeaway from this is that Saquon Barkley is officially back. He had 194 all-purpose yards. Was uh, you know instrumental to the Giants making their comeback because they were down in this game. Uh, they scored a touchdown late that where the extra point would have tied it at 20, but Brian Dable, new head coach, decided to go for two instead and try to take the lead gutsy call and they got it with a shovel pass to who else would it be Saquon Barkley but even after that they had left some time on the clock Tennessee moved down the field and attempted a game winning field goal which they missed so Giants get the upset win 21 to 20 over the Titans um, and another revenge game gone wrong the Browns visited the I think Panthers that been a better uh, wrap up of these uh shocking wins because most of these were in some way a revenge game yeah and nobody got their revenge uh and the, the browns beat the panthers 26 24 jacoby Brissett didn't do anything he was as kind of as bad as you'd expect but the browns running backs just dominated over 200 rushing yards for the team fueled by their offensive lines performance Brissett. um <clears throat> Sorry, I'm pulling up the stats. Brissett attempted 34 passes. He was only even pressured one time by the Carolina defense. And the running backs averaged close to six yards a carry. Uh, so crazy stuff. Brown's running game stole the show here. And Baker Mayfield looked pretty rusty in the Panthers' debut. Uh, he competed, completed just 59% of his passes. He got picked off, sacked four times. He fumbled it four times. Somehow, none of them ended up in the hands of the Browns. Hey, Daniel Jones, that's that's what happens. If you fumble the ball, you hold on to it. <laughs> right, or, or do it uh, right next to your teammate who can just scoop it up. 
And actually, sorry, let me go back for a second since you mentioned it. Daniel Jones did get picked off, and he fumbled and lost the fumble. So <laughs> continuing his average of almost one fumble every game. <laughs> I think that's anyway. going to be like a 2 um stat tracker now. Oh, it, yeah, absolutely. I'm going to write that down and then keep a running total. <laughs> Just for your pure pleasure. This is another game where the Panthers, uh, they were down, I think, like two touchdowns, but they actually took a late lead on Eddie Pinero's 34-yard kick. They were up 24-23, but they left a minute and 17 on the clock, which was plenty of time for Cleveland to attempt a drive of their own to get in range, uh, which they were greatly helped by a, a roughing the passer penalty against Carolina, which is 15 free yards. And they kicked a 58-yard game winner. So it came down to the wire, but the Browns got the road victory over their former quarterback, Baker Mayfield. And in this game, perhaps the most upsetting of them all, Colts at Texans. We talked about how the, the Colts have been slow starters over the last 10 years. And this game was no exception. They were down 20-3 to in the fourth quarter to Houston. Did you see the stat on this division, too? Nobody uh, won week one. Oh. Right, right. Jacksonville lost, Tennessee lost, and these two tied. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because the Colts were able to come back in the fourth quarter, tie it up, and go to overtime where nobody was able to win it. So at least they broke their streak of, of losing every game, every week one for the last nine years. Uh, Matt Ryan had some struggles. He, I think he ended up over 350 passing yards, but got picked off once and also fumbled four times with yeah, one of them. I, I, why my quarterbacks? <laughs> Burrow forgot what team he played on, and Matt Ryan apparently is getting so old he can't hold on to the football. Well, he wasn't helped by his receivers, speaking of drops. I saw at least one dropped uh, would have been touchdown pass in this game for the Colts. For the Texans, Davis Mills, solid once again, and my eliminator challenge. Got off to a very scary start. I'd picked the Colts. Uh, apparently, it's... if you would have lost week one, <laughs> I, would, I was so mad. I thought that's what was going to happen. Uh, but apparently, a tie counts as a win for the purposes of the uh, the eliminator game. So I'm still alive, barely. Remember, this is a running theme last year too. I kept picking these eliminator games that were just barely uh, successful. <laughs> I mean, you got to live life on the edge, and this is as edgy as it gets. It's not intentional, but yes. Okay, so I think that's all the upsets, and some that weren't even upsets. Uh, let's get into our playoff sleepers, and Matt, I'm going to let you go first. Oh, great, because I went 0-2 uh, on my sleeper <laughs> Hey, your um, Lions put up a good fight. But again, the Lions continue a track record of they are not going to just lie down and take a defeat. Um, but all the news happened to focus around the Raiders and Chargers here. Uh, specifically, Darren Waller gets in his extension, a three-year, $51 million extension uh, before the game. That's If that's not an incentive to play, I don't know what is. Right, and his injury magically went away that he had supposedly had all training camp and preseason. I mean, I have an injury <laughs> that could probably suspend from a three-year, $20 million contract. Heck, give me five million. I'll do. feel really good. <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, the back's feeling great. Um, <laughs> the Chargers' defense was revamped, and it came into full fruition with three interceptions and five sacks. Uh, you'll never guess who had three of them. Was it new offseason acquisition and former Raider Khalil Mack? Indeed, it was. <laughs> so, Mack hey, there's a revenge game that was Raiders. successful. Yeah. Um, I wonder if they're still literally looking at that decision in the face. Um, Devontae Adams came out incredible. Uh, I don't have the numbers. Devontae had 164, I think, receiving yards, uh, which was more than all the Packers wide receivers combined, which I think was 102. So (laughs) there you go. I don't know what that says. That says it all, probably. Uh, biggest news is Keenan Allen is set to miss time with a hamstring injury. So Mike Williams is expected to step up. 
Uh, Austin Eckler did not do very well at all. The run game for the Chargers actually was down against this Raiders front line. So they're hoping to bounce back with that next week. So keep an eye on these injuries moving forward. But uh, yeah, the Raiders lost 19 to 24 to the Chargers and the Lions lost by a field goal to the Eagles. Mike had much more success on his side. Uh, Yeah, yeah, my sleepers did okay week one. I had the Dolphins at home against the Patriots, a game that I think we both picked Miami to win, and they they came through on that, winning the game 20-7. to The defense had a really good performance, particularly the D-line gave New England big problems. I saw this stat that uh, Patriots quarterback Mac Jones had uh, three or more seconds to throw the ball on just 3% of his dropbacks which was uh, by far the lowest in the league. So he had no time to throw the ball. And uh, Tua Tagovailoa did, you know, not a great game, but good enough, especially against a talented Patriots defense. They they completely shut down the Dolphins' running game. So it was up to Tua to try to get things done through the air, which uh, he did well enough with with, uh, Tyreek Hill, who they brought in via trade, and then Jalen Waddell, who was a rookie last year. Both of those guys... Uh, very productive through the passing game, and they they did enough to to get the comfortable win here. Concern for the Patriots is that Mac Jones uh, was having back pain. X-rays were negative. Uh, supposedly, it's just just I don't know if that's really just or not, but back spasms, which uh, early reports are he should be fine to play week two, but that sounds uncomfortable. And then my other playoff sleeper team, the Saints, were on the road visiting their division rival, the Falcons. This is another. There were so many games in the noon window that uh, one team was up big late, and it just completely flipped the script. And this was another one of those. Uh, Let's see. My main bullet point is Taysom Hill just won't go away. I kind of thought, and I mean, it's, it's an awkward position for me to be in since I picked the Saints to make the playoffs. Uh, but I, I hate Taysom Hill. <laughs> I thought I finally brought you on to Taysom's. Briefly, you did when he was on my fantasy team. Uh, he's not anymore, so I, I thought the gimmicks would be phased out. Now that I thought Sean Payton was the only guy who liked Taysom Hill, but apparently that's not the case. Uh, excuse New- me. <laughs> okay, Sean Payton and Matt. <laughs> Thank the you. only people. Um. I mean, you can't deny the effectiveness. That's the thing. They didn't have him throw, so I'm thankful for that. Just some wildcat runs that were incredibly successful. (laughs) He had four runs for 81 yards and a touchdown in this game. I will point out one simple fact. Look at how many teams try to do this, and it typically doesn't work, right? There's only a few teams that have that player. The Chiefs had it with Tyreek Hill. The Saints had it with uh, Taysom Hill. Must be a name with Hill. Interesting. And, um, and the 49ers have it with Debo Samuel. And outside of that, not many teams have tried this sort of wildcat position player. And it really doesn't work unless it's really built into the offense. And hate him if you will, it works. Thank you. I do. And I will continue to hate him. Well, I, sort I of. continue to hope that this happens. I hope he has a touchdown every week. Well, do you remember our bet? Our, our karaoke bet from the beginning of the offseason about Taysom Hill. That he's going to be a quarterback or what? That, yeah, that that's what it was. Um, so still all good there. But uh, it's only week one, Michael. Why can't I find it? I remember writing this down somewhere because I didn't want to lose. Tra- I think it's that he wouldn't start a game at quarterback. That's what I said. You say he will. Whoever is correct at the end of the season or whoever is wrong at the end of the season gets to uh, do a little karaoke. Anyway, <laughs> getting a little off track here. The saints were particularly shaky on defense, allowing Cordero Patterson, 120 rushing yards and a healthy 5.5 per carry average. Thank and then Marcus Mariota. Yeah, right. He was one guy who came through for you in fantasy. And then how about Marcus Mariota looking pretty good uh, with 72 rushing yards of his own showing off that mobility and uh, not looking too shabby as a passer either. Drake London looked uh, very good in his first game. And it all ended up to the Falcons were 26 to 10 in the fourth quarter before oh, no. Jameis Winston finally started. Yeah, no, not, not quite 28 to three, but it's, uh, you know, they had it's a close enough. They had a big lead late in the game. 
but a couple touchdowns of Michael Thomas and a couple three and outs by the Atlanta offense. And then Will Lutz nailed the 51-yard game winner for the Saints to just barely squeak by the Falcons in week one. 27-26. Uh, a couple other games, we're going to just basically skip over all these because it's we're out of time. Uh, Bills beat the Rams last Thursday night. Everybody, that's ancient history at this point. Uh, oh, actually, we should talk about this briefly. The Buccaneers beat the Cowboys 19-3. to Cowboys looked awful even before Dak Prescott left the game uh, with a hand injury. And now he's had thumb surgery and is expected out six to eight weeks. So that is a huge, huge blow to Dallas's hopes and dreams. Mike McCarthy says he anticipates the team will make a new move for a new starter, but then I've seen conflicting reports on that now. But uh, The last thing I saw is the rumor was going around potentially they were going to go after Jimmy G. Yeah, that's the name that makes the most sense because we know San Francisco tried to get rid of him all offseason. I think uh, whatever his teammates are going to say and whatever like fluff pieces get put out there, Cooper Rush is not good enough to be a starting quarterback for a team no, that hopes but if they to make the playoffs but in time which i don't think they will i have a feeling rush is going to start at least this week yeah i agree with that so that's I mean, ezekiel that's, elliott should see a much healthier workload maybe uh, the whole cowboys offense looked terrible they had another offensive line injury it's it's not looking good but uh this is one thing that i think is fair to get very concerned about after just one week all right, Jaguars uh, lost to the Commanders 22-28. to Carson Wentz actually threw four touchdowns in his Commanders debut. Yeah, Carson Wentz can suck it. <laughs> well, he also threw two interceptions and was largely the reason they had to throw so much. But we can focus on the four touchdowns. Uh, the Ravens beat the Jets. No surprise there. Uh, only note is that Joe Flacco started for the Jets with... with um, What's the guy's name? Wilson. What's his first name? Zach. Zach Wilson. Thank you. <laughs> Still recovering from uh, knee surgery. So Joe Flacco got the start. Ravens got the win easily, but it should be noted that Flacco threw for 307 yards compared to Lamar's 213. So who's the better quarterback now? Hey. <laughs> the Chiefs absolutely wiped the floor with the Cardinals. Mahomes had five touchdowns. It was ugly uh, for Cardinals fans. Okay, and that's week one. We'll take a short break. Come back with a week two preview. And we're back. That was beautifully executed. I wanted to make sure it was as off-key as humanly possible. <laughs> 2M football show here uh, with a week two preview. Sorted oh, by... Using picks. Is it time? It is time. But sorted by Mike's Watchability Index. And uh, first game of the week, obligatory Bears at Packers, the rivalry oh, on Sunday night, guy. Sunday night football. Uh, of course, it hasn't been much of a rivalry lately, but uh, I'll just let me say I'm less confident now than I was three days ago. <laughs> the way the Packers looked terrible, the Bears ground out a, a gritty win. Uh, the, the game is in at Lambeau Field. It'll be the Packers' home opener in prime time. We'll see if they can get any of their offensive tackles back healthy or potentially Lazard. I'm picking the Packers, but I'm less confident than I would have been uh, after, before last week's games. Given the way the Bears' defense was able to keep the the Niners from really making a big push and they helped Justin Fields lead that back, I am very confident in Green Bay's defense, but I am not at all confident in this offense. So I'm going to take the underdog and take Chicago. Wow. Look at you. Uh, next up here, I got they the Thursday night game. Twice, right? <laughs> well, or they'll make you look like a genius twice. I got um, Chargers at Chiefs next. This game is on Thursday night in primetime. I like it. I like it, too. Like we mentioned, the Chargers probably won't have Keenan Allen for this game thanks to that hamstring injury. But I think it'll still be a super fun game between AFC West division rivals. Uh, both teams looked really good in week one. I'm going to take the Chiefs, though. 
even with Keenan Allen down, I think that there's enough of an offensive firepower and the revamped defense that the Chargers have. I think Eckler bounced back. Mike Williams becomes the number one target for this game against a bend but don't break typical Kansas defense, but I think they're going to lose by a field goal to the Chargers. Okay, taking the Chargers. Yeah, I think that's the most interesting thing is uh, Arizona's defense is bad and was banged up last week, So, and, and Mahomes was able to spread the ball around to all his new weapons. They didn't miss Tyreek Hill at all. But, yeah, what does that look like against a much, much, much stronger defense in the, in the Chargers? That'll be the main uh, matchup, I think, to focus on. But you're taking the Chargers. I like it. I want to. But I, the Chiefs looked too good for me. I'm taking them. Uh, okay, this one on Monday night, Vikings at Eagles. I think this game is really intriguing. Uh, both these offenses look really fun coming off week one victories. And these are two teams who the last few years have been right at the edge of the playoff picture come the end of the season. And I think both will be strong contenders to at least make the postseason this year. So this should be a fun matchup. I'm taking the Eagles because I see them as the more, well, yeah, I don't know. Talk yourself into this. Come on. (laughs) Well, you know, they're at home. It's the Eagles home opener, primetime, whatever you want. Oh, no, primetime. That's why. Primetime Kirk Cousins has not been a good thing. (laughs) On a neutral playing field, I probably would take the Vikings here, but I'm going with Philly at home against uh, Kirk Cousins, who sometimes struggles under the lights. I think he conquers his fear. Uh, I think the Vikings take this one. And if Green Bay loses to Chicago and the Vikings start off 2-0, it really reshapes how the NFC North is going to look by the end of this year. Yeah. Agreed. Bucks at Saints, I got up next. Like I think we mentioned in one of our offseason shows, the Saints actually swept the, uh, the Bucks last year, beating them twice. And showed, at least in the second half of that Atlanta game, they showed what they can do on offense with all their new playmakers. Uh, Jarvis Landry had a big game. Michael Thomas scored twice, and Chris Olave got involved, too. On the Buccaneers' side, they lost Chris Godwin to a hamstring injury uh, last week, which is just a shame for him and them because he was just coming off the uh, knee injury. I forget if it was ACL or what. Um and, you know, the Buccaneers didn't look too impressive on offense, though their defense completely smothered Dallas even before Dak got hurt. This is um, a Jameis Winston revenge game against the team that drafted him. And uh, sorry, I'm stalling because I can't remember who I picked. Oh, yeah, I'm actually taking the Saints. I'm going to stick with my team I picked to win the division and make the playoffs. Yeah, the Saints may have swept them last year, but they're not doing it again. They're not take they're not going three and zero against the Bucks. I'm going to take Tampa Bay, simply out of spite. Fair enough. Dolphins at Ravens, another pair of one and zero team, undefeated teams facing off in Week Two. Uh, these two teams played last year as well, and the Dolphins pulled off a really surprising upset, largely with their defensive performance. But this is a different um, – I don't remember if that was before or after Lamar got hurt, actually. Either way, though, I'm taking Baltimore here. I'm taking Miami. <laughs> Are you just going opposite of me on purpose? This is incredible. No, I'm honestly not. I, di- I right. still – everything's on Lamar, and I still don't have enough faith in that receiving core against that Miami defense. Devin Duvernay scored twice last week. <laughs> no, it's true. You can't take much away from a, a win against the Jets. You know, that doesn't prove anything. Dolphins win, you could argue, is far more impressive. And uh, they will challenge Baltimore to put up points way more than New York did. Correct. Uh, but I guess, it, and it, yeah, it hurts me to pick against my other playoff sleeper, but I, I am going to take the Ravens. Cardinals at Raiders, I got up next. Uh, Cardinals I don't know were, how to feel about this one. <laughs> they were just, Cardinals were so bad against the Chiefs. It's easy to just, you know, call it, call it quits for them already. <laughs> oh, I already have. 
this is yeah, as I'm, bad as when you picked them as a as a potential playoff sleeper. I'm taking your Raiders. Hey, we agree. Oh, finally. <laughs> yeah, Devontae Adams immediately was amazing. And I don't and, anticipate uh, the Cardinals' defense getting any better in one week. Maybe in a few no. weeks from now, but not a right. one-week turnaround from getting annihilated by the Chiefs. <laughs> and, yeah, we, it should be mentioned that, like, J.J. Watt was hurt for them. I think their top cornerback was out, too, in week one. I don't know if either of those guys are likely to come back in week two, but either way, and, until they get, like, DeAndre Hopkins back on that offense, um. Yeah, I think it's going to be tough sledding for Arizona. So taking the Raiders. Colts at Jaguars. Continuing the this game get way more interesting. I mean, it is interesting because Colts slow starters, like we said, also particularly in Jacksonville, they have not won in a long time. Oh shoot, I forgot to look it up. But I, <laughs> but I remember them bringing it up in the broadcast uh, in week 18 last year when they were playing in Jacksonville. They needed a win to get into the playoffs. Uh, but they showed the stat that they hadn't won in like five trips, their last five trips to Jacksonville. Like They just can't win there on the road, even though they've usually been a better team on paper during most of that stretch. I, I don't know what it is about those stats, but they're so strange when you listen to them. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't make sense. So, um, I don't know, Jaguars lost in week one, kind of a mixed bag. It's basically Trevor Lawrence is redoing his rookie season. I feel like you just got to throw out everything that happened last year to them. So there, there's going to be ups and downs there. The defense uh, was very bad, though. I mean, any defense that gives up four touchdown passes to Carson Wentz is obviously trash. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking the Colts to finally get a win in in the in in Jacksonville. Yeah, uh I think uh Matt Ryan and his team pull it together and and get their get that team looking good. They get Jonathan Taylor rolling. I think the defense tightens up a little bit and yeah, that streak ends Sunday at noon. Cool. Uh Seahawks at 49ers. This is another one that got way more interesting based on week one's results. Seahawks impressed. I do, this is another one. I, I do feel like you have to just kind of throw out what happened to the Niners in week one because of the weather and stuff. But uh, you definitely, it's hard to feel as confident about them heading into this week as, as I did, you know, heading well, into last week. The biggest concern for me is the lack of George Kittle. Yeah. Yeah, and I that's up like in the air that still. that offense is built around a few center play, uh, players. They also lost one of their running backs. So the running yes. game in San yeah. Francisco is a big question mark versus Seattle kind of came into the season an unknown and they made a statement against the Denver defense. Yeah, they absolutely did. So um, for me, uh, I'm taking Seattle. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking the 49ers. I, I think a lot of, cause you're an idiot. Yeah. I mean, that could be, <laughs> <laughs> that could be, but I'm, I'm giving them a clean slate. I'm trying not to factor in what happened last week and going back to what I expected to see from them, which was Trey Lance being a playmaker and uh, this defense being pretty strong as well. So taking San Francisco, all right, Falcons at Rams. Oh, this is a no brainer. A battle of 0-1 teams. <laughs> Rams were obviously awful in week one, and the Falcons looked actually surprisingly good for three and a half quarters before doing what they do best. Yeah, but the Atlanta is about to face uh, a Super Bowl contender, and Atlanta and Los Angeles is about to face the most chokehold of teams ever. <laughs> so this one's the Rams all day long. Yeah, I'm taking the Rams, and they're my eliminator pick. I'm trying to play it as safe as I can after last week's scare, but knowing me, I've just jinxed this game, and it's going to be another nail-biter somehow. <laughs> <laughs> but with the Rams, we have to keep in mind that they were against the Bills, who we all expect to be in the Super Bowl this year. Another my great Super Bowl team. Pick. Yeah, me too. So you can't judge them too harshly based on that. We can, but, you know. Uh, Texas, well, you know. <laughs> Maybe you could argue we shouldn't. Texans at Broncos. This is another one that's like. This game should be much higher on your watch build the index. Okay. 
fair. Because <laughs> the Texans did look very good against the Colts uh, before, of course, allowing the comeback. But that said, they still fought them to a tie. They didn't lose. And we spent a lot of time talking about how bad the Broncos looked against Seattle in week one. So, you know, they're home. It's their week one opener. They've got their shiny new quarterback in front of the home crowd. I'm taking Denver, but I am far less confident now than I would have been last week. I left this blank right now because I really don't <laughs> know which way to go with this. You should pick, pick, like them, the pick them to tie. Yeah, well, okay, can I click both? Is this possible? <laughs> click right in the middle. <laughs> because, yes, you have what should be an incredibly potent and revamped offense in Denver. In Houston, I think many people wrote off the Texans before anything else, but they went toe-to-toe with a great offense, and they kept um, they kept them in check. I mean, they kept Matt Ryan and Jonathan Taylor, you know, in in bad positions. So they have that opportunity again. I don't know. Underdogs have always worked for me, but I have to play it safe and take Denver. Yeah. It's interesting, though. It could be close. Uh, but I was uh, ta- secretly rooting for the Texans. <laughs> well, I have a lot invested fantasy football-wise in the Broncos, so definitely rooting for them to figure it out in week two. <laughs> Titans at Bills. So they're doing the Monday Night Football doubleheader in week two this year. So oh, does this that is mean the... no sleep? Actually, no, because it's weird. They're kind of staggering them. This One of them is starting like right in the middle of the, the first one. I don't know. I'm not sure why. Ask the marketing execs at ESPN. <laughs> but uh, Titans at Bills. I don't have much analysis here. I'm taking the Bills. Bills. Any team that loses to the Giants is obviously trash. And <laughs> <laughs> so Bills. Um, okay, Bengals at Cowboys. This is one that took a tumble down the watchability rankings when Dak got hurt. But the Cowboys still have a pretty good defense, and it's in Dallas. Burrow will obviously be looking to bounce back from his five turnovers, leading to a week one loss. Biggest question for the Cowboys side is who's going to be playing quarterback, like we already talked about. Most likely for this week, at least, it'll be Cooper Rush. Uh, whether or not that's the case I mean, in future weeks. Tuesday, even if they get somebody tomorrow, that's still, I don't think, enough time. Yeah. To put him in, so for at least this week, Cooper Rush will probably start. Um, and I that makes this super take... easy. Go ahead. Oh yeah, Bengals. Yeah. What do you anticipate? Uh, Zeke Elliott get a much heavier. Uh, Zeke and Tony Pollard to get a much heavier workload uh, this week. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Um, Patriots at Steelers. I think this could be a. Hard-fought, close game, but I put it down here because I think it would be just painful to watch because these are two very bad offenses with two good defenses. Uh, Of course, no T.J. Watt for Pittsburgh. That hurts, but still, there's a lot of talent on that defense. Well, and Mitch has the ability to come back a little bit stronger against a good defense and make a a bigger statement. They are 1-0. Mac Jones with the back spasms. And is anticipated to play, but could that be a factor? I don't even know who's behind Mac Jones in New England. I don't so, either. My guess was Brian Hoyer, but I don't know, know if it, that's right. Mac ends up missing or having to get pulled. Like it changes the landscape of New England's game plan immensely. It's Brian Hoyer, but their third string is a guy named Bailey Zapp. Okay. It's spelled Z-A-P-P-E, so, which is pretty cool. Bailey takes over and New England wins the Super Bowl. <laughs> I mean, I'd start Bailey's app just based on that name, B's app. Um, names win Super Bowls, right? Isn't that the phrase? <laughs> I think so. I'm taking Pittsburgh. I have Pittsburgh as well. Okay, the next three we can go through quickly. Commanders at Lions. Lions. Um, I'm taking Washington, but it doesn't feel good. Screw you. Jets at Browns. Uh, I'm taking the Browns. Browns. And then uh, Panthers at Giants. Awkward silence. (laughs) 
this this hurts my soul, and I know it's going to burn me for putting faith in them, but I'm taking the Giants. <laughs> I have the Giants as well. <laughs> All right. Well, then maybe it's correct then, because um, you seem to get these kind of against-the-grain picks. <laughs> okay, one more quick break. We'll be back with the Fantasy Corner. Now, let's take a trip down to the Fantasy Corner. And we're back doing football. I also podcast. have to mention the Dolphins were my eliminator pick. My bad. Oh, who are they playing? I already forgot. Ravens. Oh, wow. Okay, that's bold. We literally just talked about this. I like it though. Like the point um, is two seconds long. <laughs> my mind is in tatters. Um, okay, entering the fantasy corner. <laughs> Briefly talk about our week one results in our redraft league. Uh, I was lucky to get a win thanks to uh, Jeremy's team putting up a pretty pretty lackluster performance. I had uh, Stephon Diggs and Jamar Chase both have monster games. Mahomes and Lamar Jackson were good for him, but that was about it. A big fat zero from Cam Akers. I like to think that's the universe's way of repaying me for being the one to draft him in his rookie season. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yeah, I got, it's, it's funny. We both put up almost identical amount of points. I think I had 112, you had like 115, but I get a win because Jeremy put up 98. Uh, you get a loss because my wife put up 178 on you. <laughs> so I want to know, I want to note a couple of distinct things here. Go so for Joe it. Burrow, 338 yards, two touchdowns, four interceptions, 18.2 points. If I scroll down a little bit. Carson Wentz had 313 yards, four touchdowns, and two picks, and 27.7. Uh, I would also like to note that Justin Jefferson had 35 freaking points. Um, yeah. But the clever tactic of pairing her quarterback with the wide receiver just always feels good. Um, and yeah. Wentz just apparently had a phenomenal day, but... Most of, if you look at mostly everything else, I, well, she had, yeah, her receiving core is stacked. Yeah. Um, Justin Jefferson, Devontae Adams, and Tyreek Hill. Uh, Mike, so I put up a whopping 9.2 points. However, my strength was in my run game with uh, Cordell Patterson putting up 21 and DeAndre Swift putting up 25. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that was great. Marquise Brown uh, had a touchdown. Uh, my bench didn't do as, like, they did a little bit better than some players, but Tyler Boyd, who I moved into a starting role over Allen Robinson. Mm, for week um, two, yeah. I have Austin Hooper right now while I'm waiting on Kittle to get his Kittle together. <laughs> nice. Um, but other than that, yeah, everything kind of remains the same. I'm hoping Mike Williams has a with a, has a much more pronounced week two, especially against the Chiefs for giving defense. I think Austin Eckler bounces back. Especially so, with no Keenan Allen for them, both those guys should get an increase in volume, I would think. Yes, that is really what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I'm against I'm against my wife in week two, and I'm scared based on what happened to you last week. <laughs> Yeah, no, I went into the season with such a confident roster only to get rocked week one and be like, you know what? I need to shut up and learn my place, apparently. I hear that kind of thing a lot, uh, for what it's worth, from her. <laughs> Just kidding. Well, one of these days you'll learn. It's been almost six years already. Uh, anyway. <laughs> In terms of my uh, lineup, I don't have too many decisions to make. My biggest problem is tight end, as usual. I had Dawson Knox put up a whopping one point last week. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. uh, Austin Hooper put up 1.1, so yeah, we're nailing that category. <laughs> yeah, absolutely crushing it. more infuriating than having a top 10 person on your bench with that little red Q designation, like, ah. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I got that. Mm-hmm. What's what's comforting to know is even if I had swapped out and put my bench people in, I still would not have won. Yeah, that's kind of nice to know in a way. Like there's nothing you could have done. 
<laughs> I just would have lost a little bit less. Yeah, and you're going up against Nick this week, who has, um, yeah, who has, uh, you know, McCaffrey, Kelsey, and Hunt, I feel like, are his best players. Please hold. I'm clicking on his roster. Yeah, but McCaffrey, I don't know. I'm not. He didn't do that much last week. No. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Panthers look bad. Yeah, I actually, I don't know. I'm going to jinx it and say it, but I actually don't feel too terrible this week against this field. (laughs) I feel much better. Um, well, right now, me and my wife are, both, are projected 129.3 for me, 129.5 for her. So I'm obviously screwed. See my projections. You might be uh, in a little bit of a pickle, according to the, if the projections are to be believed. Obviously, this would help if you get Kittle in there. But right now, you're projected 118 to 127. Yeah, your projections can bite me. I mean, the projections mean literally nothing. No, if I was anything, predicted to win week one. Right, if out, anything, I, I should not. <laughs> if anything, I would rather be projected to lose because they're usually wrong. And then in uh, whatever, FanDuel, I barely beat you, but we both lost to the random third person who somehow <laughs> found our contest and joined it. Uh, yeah, <laughs> was that intentional or? <laughs> no, okay. I made it. I made it private. Uh, but I, I don't know. Maybe this is part of, partially me not knowing how to use the app because you were the one who set this up last year. But I couldn't find a way to do a free two-person contest. So I did a three-person one, but I made it private, and I only sent it to you. So I don't know, <laughs> I don't know how someone else well, that's got what it. I thought. I thought maybe you know one of our league people, you were like had him jump in on it. So I was like, oh, there's a third person here. But now that I know, no, <laughs> no, no, no idea who that was. No idea who that was. But they destroyed both of us. <laughs> Anyway, uh, that's it. That's the show for today. Um, Week one is over. Onwards and upwards, question mark, to week two. Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the 2M Football Podcast with Matt and Mike. Don't forget to follow us on our social media, both Twitter and Instagram. Look for our photo at 2M Football Show. If you like what you heard, please tell your friends, family, and others may be interested in listening to all of our shenanigans and remember we will see you next week on the gridiron